Um, so we're, we're, we're in the next bit of uh, the book of Philippians, and um, I'm particularly going to be focusing on Paul's prayer, but I want to read out the bit before. I just want to say a little bit about it. Um, so it's from uh, Philippians chapter one, and we're going to read from three to 11. If you've got your Bibles, you can follow it, but it's going to be on the screen. So it says there in uh, Philippians one, chapter uh, chapter one, verse three, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to, the com to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And it is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And as I said, it's particularly this prayer that I want to, to focus on. But um, the, the, the verses before, um, you can get a real sense of the affection and the love that Paul has for this church. Um, and he talks about how he longs for them and how he, how, how he delights in them, how he thanks God for them. And so clearly there's this real relationship. He's, got, he's a real father figure to, to this church and, um, and he's got a real heart for them and he loves them. And this prayer comes out of that. This prayer for them is, a, as, as it were, an overflowing of the heart of Paul for this church. And I believe it's because... Uh, as we look at this prayer, this is what we're going to do. This is how he believes this church is going to be the most fulfilled and the most blessed and the most, uh, uh, you know, it's going to have the best way of living. Um, and so therefore he's praying this because he loves them and he wants them to experience the best that life has. And if we look at this, it's really to do with, the, uh, you know, there's a, there's a pinnacle, if you like, of this prayer, which is the last line which is that their lives will be to the glory and praise of God. And what Paul is saying through this prayer is actually the best life we can have is the life that is lived to the glory and praise of God. And so what I want to look at today is Paul's prayer. And it's this, and it refers really a little bit to what Jamie was saying. It's a life built to glorify God. And, uh, and Paul's prayer looks at how a life is built to the glory and praise of God. And so I just want to very briefly go through that. And so here we have at the top, this is where we're going, a life uh, full of glory and praise to God. And so this is, this is where we want to get to. And I would say that as a, as a Christian, this is, this is my deepest desire and I'm sure it's for you as well that actually if I have a summary of my life uh, it would be that my life was to the glory and praise of God and and it's not only that's my heart's desire I know and as Paul is saying I know that actually a life lived like that is is a life full of purpose full of fulfillment full of joy full of hope I mean yes there may be 
struggles on the way. And, and if you look at Paul's life and the suffering that he went through and, and, and everything that he did to see uh, the gospel flourish, and yet he would say he lived his best life, as it were, because he knew ultimately his life was to the glory and praise of God. So, so let's have a look at that prayer and see how uh, Paul believes we should, we should get there. So the first building block, if you like, that Paul mentions in his prayer is this, that he wants the Philippians to have love abounding more and more. And so this is the, the starting point of this prayer. And so Paul is saying here, uh, the, the primary motivation of a, a life lived for the glory and praise of God is love. And not just love, but love that's abounding more and more. Now, there are many uh, motivations that we can have in life. There are many reasons we do stuff. It could be, um, it could be because we want, uh, we, want to, we want to earn money. That's a, that's a powerful motivation. Uh, we want to have power. That's a powerful motivation. Um, um, we want to we want to pursue a life of of, um, of relationships. That's a powerful motivation. There might be a motivation of fear that gets hold of us at times, um, or jealousy, or desire for success, or for comfort. There are many many um, motivations and and urges and forces that are in, uh, often get hold of us, and, and we can we can experience them, and and we can think about some of the things that we do and the, and the reasons behind it. And, and some of these are not wrong, you know, to, to want to succeed in your job and to do a great job is, is a perfectly good and healthy um, a motivation. But what Paul is saying is that the most important one, the one that underpins everything, is this motivation of love. A love for God, first and foremost, and a love for one another and for, for, for the world that God created. And of course, we can see that in in the plan of salvation and and actually the what drove god to uh save us what was the most motivational thing that is in this universe is of course love and that the, the verse that is probably the most fam famous verse in the in the bible is is john 3 16 for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life and so we see in God his underlying uh, most uh, full uh, motivation is love and therefore that's not surprising it should be ours as well and so when we consider what we do when we consider why we do stuff um, love needs to be the most underlying thing so even even considering work um, you know talking about this last time I mean most of us don't necessarily you know have this great love and affection for our employer but what god says is uh what in colossians chapter three he says whatever you do work at it with all your heart as working for the lord and so if we have a real love for god we will do well at work because we are doing what we're doing for him and therefore we want to excel we want to do the best we can uh, and so our motivation to do well at work should ultimately become from the fact that we love Jesus and we want to honor him and we want to work for him first and foremost. And so we it's really helpful if we want to build a life that plays and glory for God to check our motivations. What is driving me today? What is what is my ultimate force? Is it because I want to love God? I want to earn 
uh, serve God? Or is it other things which, and actually later on in the letter, Paul talks about selfish ambition and vain conceit, pride and stuff like that, which can be motivations. And he said, these things aren't very helpful. These don't lead to good things. And so it's good for us to think, what is my motivation today and what I do? Is it out of love for God and out of love for others? Or is there something else? And, and it's good to just consider, because as we allow love to abound more and more, so we're going to be on the building block to seeing a, a life of uh, glory and place to God. So that's the first one. So the next one that Paul says in his letter, uh, in, in this prayer, is this. So love abounding more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. And it's interesting, why, why does Paul put this here? Why is knowledge and depth of insight so important? Surely love is really the motivation and, and that can lead to everything that we need. But Paul says, no, you, you need to grow in knowledge and depth of insight. And this is a little bit of an illustration here. This child clearly loves uh, this dog. Um, and he's you know, showing a great affection for it. Whether the dog is appreciating that love is perhaps uh, debatable at this point. And of course, uh, the child is young and doesn't really appreciate exactly how to treat the dog and how it might, uh, you know, how it might feel about what it's doing. And of course, what that child needs is to grow an understanding of what that dog needs and how it might be best cared for and, and how it might be looked after. And so there's an, it's a very uh, odd example, or silly example, really, of of how love it directed in the wrong way won't necessarily be uh, well received or the right thing. So here, we, we, God is encouraging us and Paul's encouraging the, the, uh, the Philippian Christians to grow in the knowledge and depths of insight so that their love can be well directed and well understood. In Ephesians 5 verse 10, Paul writes, find out what pleases the Lord. And that's a, an understanding that is getting insight, that's getting knowledge about what God wants, what God loves, what God, and indeed what God hates. And, and the primary way we do this, of course, is, is by looking into God's word. He has revealed so much in his word about what he loves, what, what gives him joy, what, what delights his heart. He also reveals in his word what he doesn't like, what we, we need to avoid, what we need to try and steer away from things which um, don't bring him pleasure. And so as we grow in uh, an understanding of the word and an understanding of insight, so we have a, a much better understanding of, of that love that we've got in us through, through his love for us, the way it should be directed. And that's true for uh, each other as well. I've used this illustration before, but um, we, uh, we've got uh, three, three children and of course as they grew up we, we got to know them, we got to know what their, their likes were, what their dislikes were and, and we tried to, uh, you know, and, and, and we've got a real knowledge of, of them but um, obviously later on in life all, all of them have now got married and we've introduced into our family three new people, people that we ha didn't know um, and we had no idea of before they got brought in and we want to treat them the same way as we treat our children so we have to grow in knowledge and, and depth of insight into what makes them tick what they love what they don't like what their favorite food is what presents they would appreciate and things like that and so we grow uh and uh, with understanding with our uh, uh with our in-laws if you want to put it that way and uh, our uh our children's um partners uh, and we do that by simply spending time with them by talking to them by being with them and so 
Um, we grow in knowledge and depths of insight, not only by reading words, but just being with Jesus and spending time with him and growing that. And, and then also being with one another and learning about one another and what, what makes each of us tick. And so being uh, together, and obviously it's more difficult when, when we're locked down, but at, you know, spending time, we go for walks with one another and spending time with us. We learn and get to know each other and we can grasp what the knowledge, uh, we can grow in knowledge and depths of insight into what uh, would be helpful and how our love towards others is best directed. And uh, that then leads on to this, discerning what is best. So once we've got this love abounding, once we've got this knowledge and depth of insight, so we can think, do you know what? I know what to do. I know how to behave. I know what pleases God. And therefore, if today God, God, I know because I've spent time with him, God wants me to do this today. I'm going to go and do it. <clears throat> on, the, on, the, uh, on the other side of things, we say, actually, I've, I've read in, my, in God's word, he doesn't like me getting angry. Do you know what? I'm going to just I'm just going to ask God to help me with this so that I can address this area of my life that is not good, is not best. <clears throat> and so as we, uh, as we grow it in knowledge and depth of insight, so we can discern what is the best way to live. I mean, the Bible talks about freedom, that we are free as, uh, as God's children. And that's absolutely right. Jesus has brought us freedom through the cross. And yet he also says, don't use your freedom... Uh, as a snare and a problem for other people. And so in discerning what is best, um, we can use, we, we need to understand the freedom that we have and how best to live in that freedom such that we don't hurt ourselves and we don't hurt others. Um, and as we grow in knowledge, that is how um, we can learn to live and, how, what, and we can do and live in a way that pleases God. We can avoid sin. We can avoid things that he doesn't like. And we can do the stuff that he that uh, blesses his heart. So the next thing, we're nearly getting there, is that leads us, and this becomes a, uh, as it were, a, almost a fruit or a, a result of, of the bits that goes before. We become pure and we lead pure and blameless lives. So as, as our love abounds, as we grow in knowledge and depths of insight, as we discern what is best, so that our lives then start reflecting that. And they reflect to the fact that we're doing things which are pure and blameless, which which honour God, which which uh, uh, which reflect the glory of God in our lives. And uh, and then the final one uh, that he talks about is being filled with the fruit of righteousness, and a life that is lived in this way, that is that is spending time with God and learning about what he he loves, that is abounding in love. That, that, that makes good choices, that discerns what's best and what isn't best, is pure and blazes, but also has the fruit of righteousness flowing through it. And of course, we, we, it's, it's called various things. Uh, in, uh, in other parts of the Bible, in Galatians, it talks about the fruit of the spirit, which is love and joy and peace. And these are things that grow in us and mature in us uh, as we allow the presence of God and his spirit to flow through us as we allow his love to come upon us, as we allow love to be the motivating force behind us. So these things grow and flourish as we, uh, as we, as we allow God's spirit to, to be at work in our lives. And that is, uh, uh, as it were, a, a result of uh, a life lived this way. It's filled with the fruit of righteousness. 
and results in glory and praise to God. And, and, and so Paul is, is laying out, this is what I want for you. This is, this is going to be best for you. And this is going to be best for, for your hearers and those around you. But just as we finish, I want to just say that there is a gap at the bottom because actually I believe there's something else that, uh, that Paul mentions earlier on in the letter that actually, uh, as it were, fills in the very base and the very bottom. Um, because one of the problems with this is that we can look at our lives and think, do you know what? I'm not as pure and blameless as I would like to be. Do you know what? I don't always make the right decisions. I don't always discern what's best. Do you know what? I'm not always filled with the fruit of righteousness. I, I know there are times when I, I, I get a bit angry. I'm not as always peaceful. I'm not always uh, living in the way that, that I would. And, and the problem with this is that you can look at that and think, oh, I just got to try harder. I've got to try with all my effort to honor and praise and, and give glory to God. So I've just got to deal with this. And actually, I mean, to one sense, we have to, 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 to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. But actually um, trying harder and working with all our might isn't necessarily the right way of doing it because underpinning all this is something else and it's uh, and paul mentions it in the verse before and it's this in philippians 1 verse 7 it says all of you share in god's grace with me all of you share in god's grace with me and see, Paul had recognized something in the Philippians that was so fundamental, so important that everything else flowed from it. And uh, this is what gave him such confidence, because he had recognized that they had received the mercy and the grace of God into their lives. God's grace is his undeserved favor, his favor that had been poured out on these Philippian uh, Christians such that they had received the gospel, they had received new life, they had been over, and, and this is what had caused them to abound in love. So we have right at the bottom now, I don't know if you can see that, um, let me move that out of the way. What underpinned the whole of this, and what Paul says, is that we have received God's grace and undeserved favour. And this is if you like the the the, the cornerstone the, the the foundation stone of our lives which is obviously jesus and so we see here that actually our lives start and finish with god we we don't we don't make up the difference as it were we don't we don't do all this it starts with the grace and mercy and and undeserved favor of god and that's obviously what we what we celebrate communion. That's at the at the at the heart of communion, is this wonderful, uh, undeserved favour that God showed in sacrificing His Son for us on the cross. That at that point He uh, He dealt with our sin. He dealt with everything that stood against us. He dealt with our shame, and He took it away, and He He nailed it to the cross. And in in its place, He He lavished on us his grace and his mercy, his love, his forgiveness. And so that is our starting place. That is always where we go to. We remember what he's done for us. We remember the goodness of God, the grace of God, the love of God, because we were undeserving. We were lost. 
we were dead in in trespasses and sins as it says in ephesians we were objects of wrath it says there and yet god poured his love upon us and he forgave us and he made us right he made us sons and daughters he drew us into his family and he he, he made everything right in our lives <clears throat> and so this is the the starting point and and of course in john 1 verse uh, 4 verse 19 it says we love because he first loved us and so that abounding love and that's more and more that paul is talking about comes from the grace and the undeserved favor and as we reflect on that as we remember day by day his goodness and his love and his and his poured out grace on our lives so that will motivate us and enable us to live this life and so the final slide then when we look at our lives when we consider our lives and we're knowing that perhaps we're not behaving in the right way or we're not thinking the right things or we haven't got the love that we'd like to have our response isn't to to grit our teeth and to try harder it's to to go back and to reflect again and to go back into the wonderful grace and mercy and love of god to remember what he's done for us to 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 reflect on his amazing forgiveness and amazing place that he's placed us in and to remember that he has loved us with an everlasting love and as we do that as we reflect on that so our love will start to grow and will start to abound more and more we will then want to know god more we will want to get into knowing him and understanding what he loves and what he doesn't like and as we do that we will we will bit by bit discern uh, more and more what is best for us and so our lives will become pure and blameless and they will become filled with the fruit of righteousness as the holy spirit works in us and our lives will be as he has promised us to to the glory and praise of god